Welcome to another episode of the History of California podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today's episode is a little bit of a one-off episode before we start a larger, larger section on California missions, the Spanish missions in California. Um, and I really enjoyed making this episode and learned a lot in this episode that I actually didn't know. Um, some of the things that we've covered so far I, I was familiar with before I started doing the research for this podcast, but um, exploring Juan Batista Anza's journey was something that was new to me and uh, someone that loves stories about uh, people traveling. It was, it was really a lot of fun to research and record, so I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode. Starting next week, we'll have uh, kind of an ongoing series or next time, rather, not next week. Uh, we'll have an ongoing series about the California mission system uh, where I'll cover a series of missions individually. I felt like instead of making blanket observations about the whole system, I'd break it down and we'd cover individual missions and their history. I feel like we'd gather a lot more from uh, focusing on a particular mission than uh, trying to cover the whole thing. So I uh, hope you find that enjoyable. And uh, my goal, again, like I said, towards the beginning of the year is to put out two of these a month. So um, given the release date of this one, I'm on pace for uh, my New Year's resolution of more oftenly posting. Oftenly? Posting more often. That's how you should say it. So without further ado, uh, let's go meet Juan Batista Ansa. If you could pick out one business leader that is often lauded as the most innovative and exciting, it would definitely be Elon Musk. From creating the electric car market to being the first, having the first private sector space company, Musk is constantly pushing the boundaries of what we think is possible. Now, Musk, like business leaders and all people for that matter, have their foibles and faults. I'm not saying he's some kind of superhuman. And I think if I had to narrow down the reason why he's so admired, it would be that he's an explorer. His plan to take humans to Mars probably exemplifies this more than anything else he's doing. According to SpaceX's website, he plans to send the first humans to Mars by 2024. There's just something about people who are pushing boundaries and are unintimidated by the unknown that inspires people to follow. It's probably the same charisma um, that led 300 settlers to follow Juan Batista Anza 1,200 miles across fairly unknown wilderness to find an overland route to San Francisco through Alta, California. This famous journey is commemorated in the historic trail run by the National Park Service that begins on the border of Mexico and runs through Southern California deserts and along the coast up into the Bay Area. We are a culture obsessed with journeys and trails. The most famous archetype um, that was created in the book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces, uh, describes the hero's journey. Uh, this is a journey that uh, kind of fits fairy tales um, and basically shows the steps that most mythical tales take from the beginning, overcoming obstacles, and finally a resolution in returning. And I think that's what's behind a lot of these stories of uh, hero's journeys. Uh, there's a, been a few famous books over the years and movies that have followed the story of people making important quests. Uh, two of the most famous books, uh, one was called Wild, um, and Wild is a story by Cheryl Strayed's journey along the Pacific Crest Trail, um, and it's also kind of a journey uh, internally and in how she overcomes 
her past and her current struggles to have a you know really develop a new life. And then in contrast to that, one of my favorite books uh, is called A Walk in the Woods, and it's by Bill Bryson, who's a fantastic writer. And it's kind of a humorous companion to Strayed's book. Bryson gives us uh, a story of his journey uh, along the Appalachian Trail uh, on the East Coast, and it's full of funny anecdotes and uh, fascinating uh, little tidbits about the different parts along the Appalachian Mountains. Um, now, unlike these riders uh, who both walked famous trails with pit stops and al- for food and breaks, Ansa, uh, going back to our story, was really blazing a new trail. Um, now, Ansa actually had two famous journeys. The first one was in 1774. Uh, this journey would begin in the Sonoran Desert. And the first expedition was to test to see if there was an available overland route instead of using the ocean. The sea routes were both unpredictable and quite dangerous, um, as shipwrecks became a common occurrence. Ansa pleaded his case to the Viceroy of New Spain uh, to secure the resources he needed for this journey. Uh, Given the pressures um, of the Spanish government in halting the territorial expansion of the Russians and the English, um, they were quick to give him what he needed. Uh, Ansa utilized Native American guides and, with their help, discovered uh, an overland route uh, that took him along the border of present-day Mexico and Arizona to the Colorado River, which kind of runs uh, right, almost right between California and Arizona. And once you cross that, it uh, connects the traveler to the valleys of, the Southern Cal- of Southern California that we're familiar with, with, of course, easy access to the coast. Um, His successful return enabled him to recruit 300 people, uh, many of them settlers eager to uh, explore uh, these new places. Um, But uh, his story didn't really accurately represent the difficulties of the first journey. Uh, He made kind of one of those, uh, if you've ever had um, been to one of those timeshare (laughs) presentations where you get a free bottle of tequila or something, it was a little bit... uh, more of a sales pitch uh, than something that uh, reflected uh, the realities of his difficulties. Now, 38-year-old Ansa's followers on this first journey, the one where he blazed the trail in 1774, included 21 soldiers, one interpreter, one carpenter, five mule packers, two servants, a few members of the clergy, and then one native uh, who was to act as their guide. Uh, The purpose of the journey was to really blaze that trail, so the next time uh, he went, he could take the settlers on a path that he knew. Um, In this first journey, Ansa really relied on the support of the Yuma native people, which uh, they live kind of in the the corner there at the bottom between Arizona and California. Um, They helped Ansa and his crew uh, across the Colorado River and uh, guided them in a path that took them into the deserts of Southern California. After they crossed the river, though, and Ansa got lost, understandably, uh, wandering in the desert and the sand dunes for over a month. Uh, demoralized, he sent half of his party back, believing that the mission was a failure. However, uh, he persisted and eventually discovered a route north, which is memorialized in Imperial County, California, with the Vista de Ansa monument. It's basically a metal statue of Ansa on a horseback. Uh, he continued north through the southern through Southern California, encountering large uh, groups of Kumaye, which we talked about in an earlier episode. Uh, native people, uh, native to the deserts of Southern California. 
Uh, and all along this journey north, uh, which would ultimately end at the San Gabriel Mission, uh, he named various creeks and landmarks to commemorate uh, his friends and compatriots. When they finally reached the mission in San Gabriel, Ansa immediately began making his plans to return with a colonizing party. Now, the composition of this group of settlers that he decided to bring back was almost as diverse as the state of California is today. Included in his group were Native Americans, Europeans, Afro-Latinos, uh, and many more. Uh, he was able to convince this large party to follow him by describing this lush, beautiful vistas awaiting their eyes when they arrived. Now, while there certainly were lush places the further you go up the coast to San Francisco, uh, the journey's initial beginnings were hardly lush. Uh, but I guess it depends on your perspective of uh, definition of lush. Um, instead, they were filled with beautiful, albeit harsh, deserts. Uh, when people picture the desert, they imagine that it must be hot all the time. Uh, but during this time the group departed to Alta California, the temperatures were moderate. Uh, they were departed in October. So, for example, in Nogales, uh, Arizona, uh, in the month of October when they departed, the average high temperature is 82 degrees with the average low of 44 degrees. So it wouldn't have been this kind of hot desert walk, but much more just a sun-filled, uh, slightly warm desert walk. Um, However, over the course of the month's walk to the Colorado River, they would be walking through the hottest deserts in California. And I will say, as a Californian, I've, um, I've seen this move generally uh, to rediscover the uh, beauty of deserts. Um, I follow this couple on Instagram who's been re they've been redesigning uh, homes in Joshua Tree, and they've made these beautiful places uh, for people to stay. And it's, um, I really do think uh, the desert is uh, underappreciated for its beauty. Um, and the land along the border uh, where they would be traveling uh, is some of the most beautiful land uh, in the world in terms. Now, the group, after they left uh, New Mexico, uh, by New Mexico I'm referring to what we presently day call Mexico, um, the group followed the Gila River, which, you know, you're probably familiar with the Gila Monster, uh, same, same, same word. Uh, they followed this river, which is a tributary um, to the Colorado River. Remember, at this point, uh, maps um, and understanding of the terrain was limited. Uh, the Gila River is a 649-mile tributary of the Colorado River that extends all the way to present-day New Mexico. Now, a fact about tributaries I didn't understand uh, before I started this was a tributary is actually a small river that flows into a larger river, uh, whereas a river that breaks off uh, from a larger river into a smaller uh, side river, uh, that is called a distributary. Um, you might be familiar with the San Joaquin Delta, Delta uh, in northern, Cal or northern central California. That's an example of uh, a distributary, um, Delta distributary, similar, similar concepts, um, or at least related to each other. Uh, now, the Gila River flows uh, right through the Gila Mountains. Uh, this is not a really a tall mountain range, at least for us Californians. Uh, I can imagine uh, them leading their cattle alongside the river in the shadow of these mountains in view. Now, I know the podcast is not really about Arizona, but uh, the valleys of Arizona with their surrounding mountains are some of the most beautiful uh, things you could ever see. Um, I... Driving through Mojave Desert uh, in particular, if you're driving uh, through Southern California and you're continuing to Arizona, uh, you can just see these expansive valleys uh, that just kind of gently ascend up into the mountain ranges that kind of are uh, the envelopes on either side. Um, and it's really tremendously beautiful. 
Uh, my paternal grandparents lived in Bullhead City, which is on the other side of the California border. Um, the area could best be described as bleak. Um, economic uh, opportunity was minimal, aside from the bevy of porn shops and the casinos on the Nevada side um, of this area that Bullhead City is connected to. Um, but that kind of large, expansive beauty, particularly in the wintertime when it's not as hot outside and you can just enjoy being outside without having your uh, your skin oils literally bubbling like an egg on the asphalt. Um, when you can just be outside and look and appreciate uh, just kind of how expansive it is, particularly if you live in a big city where, you know, there's either uh, smog or something in the mountains are not visible or, um, you know, it's... Uh, you live a life crowded by large buildings. There's just something tremendous about being such wide open spaces. Um, and I have no doubt that Ansa and his travelers saw this, these beautiful uh, vistas and expanses as they uh, walked on their journey. Now, after they crossed the river, they split up into three groups for the purposes of water. Uh, each group uh, took a slightly different pattern or path in the same general direction. Uh, that way they could have access to more water. Now it's important to remember uh, for modern day listeners that there was no easy access to water supply. Uh, today water finds you no matter where you are and back then you had to find water. Um, there are some amazing watering water holes in Arizona and the desert parts of California but they're not exactly ubiquitous. Um, unlike Anza's previous expedition uh, when he turned south to the Sea of Cortez, uh, named after the most famous conquistador of all, and uh, we Baja and that little sea right there in that inlet uh, is called the Sea of Cortez. Um, at least that's what it was called for a long time. Uh, Anza decided instead to follow a path westward to a well that he discovered on his first journey called the Yuha Well. Um, and then, after that point, they turned northwestward uh, towards uh, the San Gabriel Mission. Interestingly, at this point in the journey, there apparently was a freak snowstorm, which, if you've ever been to this part of California, you're likely as dumbfounded as I am by reading this or listening to this. It, uh, is not it's not exactly a place that uh, you think of uh, a snowstorm, um, but uh, they survived and they continued. Um, on their journey. Uh, they finally arrived at the San Gabriel Mission on January 4th. Um, you can still uh, visit this mission, the San Gabriel Mission. Uh, the mission uh, since this time has expanded, obviously, and is uh, used for an assortment of functions today. There are, now, there are many things about Catholicism that make it interesting, uh, but one of the most interesting things is uh, how they're able to uh, continue to use buildings for thousands of years. Um, on the side of this mission, uh, where Ansa ended up, uh, there's a school, um, a museum, memorializing uh, parts of the uh, history of the mission, and there's also a church. Um, but one thing they could work on, Catholic Church, I mean, amongst other things, uh, is HTML. Uh, the San Gabriel mission site is uh, severely lacking um, in terms of what they offer. And I'm quite embarrassed to say that I lived in Pasadena for quite a few years, and I have not actually visited the mission myself. The lure of the Huntington Library, if you're familiar uh, with that uh, museum slash uh, garden uh, in the San Gabriel Valley is, is, is so strong that uh, it kind of distracts you from the other historical sites that are 
uh, around. And if you live in that area, I highly recommend uh, going to visit the San Gabriel Mission. It's quite beautiful. Now, Ansa and his group uh, stayed put in the mission for over a month before resuming their journey north. They left on February 17th and followed the El Camino Real. Uh, and now I'm going to be careful with my Spanish here because I know that's been an issue in the past. And quick sidebar, I did get myself a Spanish teacher. Um, she is wonderful and can, and can also confirm uh, that my Spanish is often no bueno. Um, in any case, I do know that El Camino Real does mean the royal road. Uh, this was a trail blazed by Portola, the uh, guy we originally talked about in context of um, some of our previous episodes about exploring California. Um, and it is a road that basically follows, follows the coast uh, of California all the way up towards the Bay Area, particularly ending at Monterey. Um, now, Ansa used part of this trail, but he did occasionally uh, kind of swerve to the inland valleys. Um, anyone that is familiar with uh, the one the road that follows along the coast, the one, um, knows that uh, the coast of California can often be very rugged and uh, hauling humans and livestock and all the other things they were carrying would have been tremendously challenging along this road. Um, but they continued up the coast and arrived in Monterey in about a month. Uh, most of the settlers would stay at the mission in Monterey that didn't stay in San Gabriel. Um, and Ansa and a group uh, continued uh, further north to explore much of the Bay Area. He took a group of soldiers with him. Um, and they designated the sites um, for both the Presidio of San Francisco as well as Mission Dolores. Now, uh, this journey may not seem quite as riveting as some of the journeys of previous explorers that we've covered, but don't m mistake Ansa's legacy in establishing uh, large parts of California that is today. Uh, the settlers that went with him would establish uh, cities including Los Angeles, San Jose, and San Francisco. And the cattle that they brought with them would represent the first major injection of livestock in, in what would become a state of ranchos, a subject that we'll arrive at soon in this podcast. Now, following this epic journey, Anso would become the governor of New Mexico, uh, meaning present-day Mexico, and his trails, uh, his trail continues to live on to today. Uh, some of it is paved, uh, some of it is hiking trails, and some might be a little bit easier on horseback. Uh, but unlike the Pacific Crest Trail, for example, that's more popular and more people know about, uh, this trail represents uh, a giant population movement and a shift that would not stop. Uh, the current pre-census estimate for California's population is uh, 39.94 million. And we can trace back uh, the genesis uh, to really the, the settlement of California, both first by the Spanish and then by uh, the United States when they would take California uh, in the mid-19th century. Uh, really trace it back to this point in, sadly, the pushing out of Native Americans. Uh, if you remember from uh, previous episodes, um, the Spanish plan was to settle California and really bring people, and this was uh, the first real strong movement to bring large groups of people into California and establish permanent settlements. Uh, so Anza's legacy in that way is, is kind of mixed um, in some ways, but uh, I think his expedition journey is fascinating, and it's uh, 
oftentimes fascinating just to read about people that are willing to explore and uh, go beyond the boundaries of what is known. And that's why we uh, covered the ANSA expedition today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Stay tuned next week or next time. I keep saying next week, next time, uh, when we'll continue our uh, journey through California history by beginning to look at a few different missions in a little bit more detail. Bye, everybody. Thank you.